Now, get ready to spend the next two hours with our three sports-loving ladies, Lauren Brooks, Taylor Dahl, and Mia O'Brien. This is Helmets and Heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. And then there was one, just one team that got to hold the trophy. That would be the Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe one day the Jags will be in that place. Maybe one day, but it feels very far away as we sit here on this Tuesday evening. Chiefs took down the 49ers in overtime 25-22. I need to set the scene. Where were y'all watching the game? Mia, I'll start with you. On my couch. That's by, a good place to be. By uh, by the request of the one, the only, Bo Kevin Valentine uh, said, you know what? This is one of those games where I'm so over the Chiefs. I'm kind of over the Niners. Our friends who were so grateful to offer to, you know, they did throw a Super Bowl party and invited us. Their, uh, their little daughter, shout out to my good friend Chloe, was actually having lip surgery the next morning. I'm like, that's not fair to Chloe. I'm like, you know what? We'll just hang out at home. I have to be at... TPC Sawgrass, bright and early the next morning. And man, oh man, was I happy with that decision when that game did not end until, what, 11.30, 11.15, whatever it was. I was very happy with my decision to be sitting on my couch five feet from my bed. Taylor, how about you? Yes, we were at my best friend's family's house, so they have a pretty cool setup in the back, and they live on the water with, like, a tiki bar and a little fire pit and all of that. So it was kind of nice at multiple outdoor TVs they have, so – it was, a, it was a nice spot to watch the Super Bowl uh, that we did last year, too. But this was year two, so every, they had kind of upgraded some things since then. Um, it was fun, though. I, I mean, I think that you mentioned uh, it might be a while until the Jags are there. I feel like it might be a while until we're not seeing the Chiefs there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Point. That's part of the problem, for sure, <laughs> because they're in the AFC with the Jaguars. Yeah. Yeah, we watched at home like you did, Mia. Uh, we had a diaper party to attend uh, before the Super Bowl, so that was fun. And then wanted to be home and wanted to listen to every word of the broadcast, the commercials, the halftime show, all of it. And uh, certainly it, it delivered all of it. I would say that for sure. When the Chiefs got down 10 nothing, did y'all think, even though they had overcome that deficit in the past, certainly several times, did you think, okay, the 49ers might actually win this football game? No. <laughs> never <laughs> never did it was still too early no li- literally like it was he, he, I said it to Frank and Hayes in the handoff like he had eight yards of offense I'm like he I mean Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs couldn't run the ball worth a lick um, Kelsey had one reception yep. for one yard, <laughs> one yard. Yeah. and I, I just was like nah now they're gonna find a way just because the, the boogeyman as Leon Cersei likes to say the boogeyman Always, always is there mm-hmm. at the end, and he was. What about when he threw the interception, Mahomes, when he threw the interception? Yeah, well, I picked the Niners to win, actually. So I, I had confidence, not thinking that, like, no way. I didn't think it would look like this in the first half at all, but I was kind of leaning towards I felt like the Niners did have the defense to be able to stop what the Chiefs have been able to do, and I did think the Niners had an offense. A lot fell on Brock and what you felt like Brock would do, but I just felt like they had too many weapons not to be able to at least make it a game. Um, I almost had, like, exact score just opposite, and I was like, dang it, I was so close. Um, but And then, yeah, when he threw the interception, I was kind of like, man, I just went over the stats a couple weeks ago. This year he had that four-game stretch, and they lost three of the four games that he threw picks in. And aside from that, you hadn't seen one. So it was kind of those things where you felt like if they were to able to make them make some mistakes, an interception, you saw a fumble on that mm-hmm. side of the ball with Pacheco too. And it kind of felt like it was going that way, but Mahomes does Mahomes things, and, and that's just what took over ultimately. 
Yeah, I think they always say like the last five minutes of the first half, first five minutes of the second half, those are really important things. The middle eight, yeah, as the, Doug Peterson Yeah, and really it's, it. yeah, four minutes and four minutes is, but I consider whatever, four or five. The point of, of that, though, is you have to take momentum into halftime and you have to have momentum coming out of halftime. And that's where, to me, the 49ers lost the football game. Mm-hmm. Those three consecutive drives of three and outs to start the second half. Yeah. You cannot beat a team like the Chiefs and not score points on any of those drives. And so, look, in the end, yes, Kyle Shanahan probably should have made the decision to elect to get the ball second in overtime. He, of course, wanted the ball third, as famously quoted after the game. If he had done it differently, then you don't give Mahomes four-down territory pretty much the entire time in overtime. As it is, I feel terrible for Kyle Shanahan. I mean, he's, I'm sure, a very happy person. He makes a lot of money. He gets to coach football. It's great. But he's now lost the Super Bowl after leading as a coach by leading by 10 points or more. And this is his third time losing it, just like the Chiefs have won it after being down three times. There's a graphic floating around the Internet today, though, of what was Andy Reid before 2020? What was Andy Reid regarded as? One of the greatest coaches to never win the big one. Mm -hmm. He'd only been to one Super Bowl up to that point with Donovan McNabb right here in Jacksonville. And came up short against Tom Brady. And they went to, what, four straight NFC championship games or something like that? Mm -hmm. Never was able to get over the hump. And so I'm not saying that Kyle Shanahan 10 years from now is going to get the next Patrick Mahomes, the next Tom Brady. But I still think he's too young in his coaching career to completely dismiss him as it's over. Like, this is... Absolutely. Way too young. He's never going to figure it out because I would think this is not the last iteration of the Niners or whatever team Kyle Shanahan is coaching that we are going to see. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think that it's it's unfortunate when it points that way. And, and it's weird because when you look at, especially in this last, let's say, five, six, seven years, maybe even 10, when you're looking at the AFC and the NFC, they're just, they're drastically different. Um, and when you, I think we always had the outliers of Aaron Rodgers was in the NFC. So that was, th- that was one piece you kind of had. But aside from that, I feel like most of the great quarterbacks, top-tier quarterbacks we've seen recently have all been on the other side of the ball. So once he gets to that Super Bowl, he's facing usually those guys and Patrick Mahomes, unfortunately, for a couple of him. But I think that there's just too – he does too many things so well, and at some point he'll figure it out. I truly believe, and maybe it's Brock a little more comfortable and a little bit more under his belt. I mean, this kid is – Mr. Irrelevant and a couple years into the NFL and look what he was able to do this season. So I think if Kyle Shanahan's able to continue to develop him into the quarterback where a lot of people think he can be that as in Brock, um, but if not finding a guy that you can find that is consistent in that position is just huge for him. But you do have everything else you need right now. And that's what kind of makes it seem a little shaky because when it comes to offensive weapons and a defense, there's nothing else that you could ask for pretty much on that team. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Travis Kelsey. Mm -hmm. Has the run-in with Andy Reid, screams, obviously not happy that he wasn't in the game during the fumble. At that point in time, the first thought in my head was, you've got to bench him for just a series to calm him down. But obviously Andy Reid knows Travis Kelsey very well. He knows Mm -hmm. how emotional he is. And that's part of of the warrior that he is on the field. And and Kelsey certainly finished with a much better game. What did you think, Live? Yeah, I mean, it was one of those, like, here here we go again. Because lest we forget when Andy Reid bumped Travis Kelsey – because he was speaking out of turn on the sidelines, and it was a literally 
a throwback to in that very stadium on Christmas Day. Well, didn't he throw his helmet too? Right. Kelsey threw And he threw his helmet again. And yeah. Tracy Wolfson did it, or it was, yeah, it was Tracy on the sideline for Kansas City. Did a great job. Um, I actually think I misspoke. I think that Christmas Day game was in Kansas City, but it was against the Raiders. And so it was like a repeat of like, oh, yeah. well, the Raider juju is here. Like they're going to collapse. They're going to start screaming at each other. And no, they got it together. And again, it speaks to Andy Reid knows his players. He knows when mm-hmm. to push their buttons. And Look, like Coach Campo was on today and, you know, he was there with Michael Irvin when Michael Irvin was screaming it. And you can go down the line of players that have, you know, gone to the coach and been like, give me the ball. And is it out of turn? Perhaps. But I I think in a different era where we're not micro analyzing every little thing, I'm not sure we would be as fixated on it as we are. Although it did provide a hilarious meme from like now. Have you seen it floating around? Of like, yeah, him screaming. It's usually yeah. him. Like a lot of them are Travis Kelsey just screaming Taylor Swift lyrics to Andy Reid on the side. Yeah, but some of them are like, do the dishes. And then it's like, whatever. Like, I want a cheeseburger, though, you know? So, like, yeah, I, I appreciate the meme that it provided. I, I do think that, I mean, to me it looked disrespectful, but I also don't have that relationship. And I'm not a man who's ever been on a professional football team. And I, I do think that Andy Reid knows his players. And we've seen a lot of comments. I've seen some uh, former players comment on it saying, like, this is a coach and players relationship. Like, they know each other. They know, like, what they can and can't say, and they, they are able to resolve it without it turning into something beyond this, and that's part of the game. I saw other be like, I would never speak to my coach, my father, anybody I respect in that way. Um, so I think there's two sides to it, and it's something, like, we'll never know because we'll never be in that relationship or conversations they have before or after the game. It looks bad. I mean, we can go back to – Times here when Jalen Ramsey has thrown his things on the side. Was it him that got mad about the penalty or yes. the flag? And everyone got upset here. Like, don't talk to your coach that way. And and that's not even on the level of, like, a Super Bowl in that moment of the game. But there's a lot of emotions and testosterone and everything else going on in this game. So I think that is the defense that some people have. But to me, ultimately, I was like, we've already seen this, and it just looks disrespectful. It looks like he knows he can do it and still be – they're not going to play without him. So – Yeah, I wouldn't say, like, little kids, this is how you should act towards your coach in any way, shape, or form. But it's just like in the workplace, Taylor. Some people have a relationship with their boss where, like, they can scream at each other and everything's fine the next day. And other people, if that were to ever happen, they they would not have a job the next day. And so it is. It's different. And that's how the two of them are. And and obviously, we all read about how Kelsey gave an impassioned speech to the team the night before the Super Bowl, along with Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones. Uh, By the way, one of my favorite moments from the Super Bowl that I don't know if you all were paying attention during the National Anthem, but the tears streaming down Chris Jones's face. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I'm always moved. Last year, it was Nick Sirianni that was crying during the National Anthem. Although that was like dramatic. It was. Chris Jones's was was less dramatic. But I just, I like it. I just appreciate, like, they know how big the moment is. And and they also could have tears because it is the National Anthem. Hell, yeah. I mean, watching that uh, the I Did It My Way video, mm-hmm. did you not have tears in your eyes? Because I know I was like a little starting to well up a little bit. Yeah, I sure did. Yeah. And I, I mean, especially when they start showing like the interviews that they secretly did with all their family members. Right. And like, especially for someone like Trey Smith, I believe it was, who lost his mother, who was raised mm-hmm. by his sister. And they have all these like old mementos and photos for them. Like, oh my, the night before the Super Bowl. Like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I love that stuff, though. I do too. It just takes it to a whole other level. Like for some people, it, it's beyond a game because these guys also have been most of them working since their children to get to this point. And now with the Chiefs, several of them have been here many times now. Right. Um, but still, I don't think that moment would ever go away of how big and how emotional and how much it can mean to you. You also don't know what they're going through personally that maybe it adds a little extra into that moment. So I, I love that though because I, I get emotional anytime I hear the national anthem. So I couldn't imagine if it was like 
the Jags or Bears in the Super Bowl, and you're also oh, adding that extra level of the love you have for the game. I agree with that. All right, we'll review our impact players when we come back. Uh, just a quick sneak peek uh, or preview. No one picked Mikael Hardman. <laughs> I did not. Of all the impact players that we chose, Mikael Hardman did not make any of our list. I don't think anybody well, picked is alive, though. Jo- I, I don't think anybody picked Jawan Jennings. I don't think anybody picked Chris Conley. Trent McDuffie. He had a game. So, yeah, well, we'll review those when we come back. You're listening to Homeless and Heels, driven by Tara Atlet on Tension XL 92.5 FM. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. It is a Tuesday night, and around here that means Helmets and Heels is hanging out with you until 8 o'clock. By the way, JJ, where did you watch the Super Bowl? Uh, Just at home. I think that was the smartest move based off of the fact that it went to overtime Mm -hmm. and all that stuff, other than if you're a tailor and you get yeah, to I was watch tired, the swanky yeah. place. I was tired yesterday. <laughs> and that's the hard part, yeah. yeah. I talked to a friend who had people over for the Super Bowl, and she's like, yep, yeah, people were still there late. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's the hard part about yeah. it. And the problem with the Super Bowl, not problem, the great part is the halftime show, but mm-hmm. if you normally, like, if you want to watch the first half somewhere, then if you live close enough, like, you can just leave at halftime yeah. and make it in time. But Super Bowl, you want to watch the halftime mm-hmm. show. So, uh, yeah, we'll certainly talk about that in a second. All right, we will get into our impact players. Like I said, none of us chose Mikkel Hardman, who won uh, the game or had the game winning catch in overtime from Patrick Mahomes. I chose Chiefs running back Isaiah Pacheco. He had 18 carries for 59 yards. I think he was important for the Chiefs. I think he helped them, mm-hmm. but I don't think he made the impact that we expected going in. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. And I, I think that there's there was so many players, at least like on – when you look at both teams, and I think when Niners from top to bottom, but on Kansas City, there were so many ways you could go, and we didn't even name the ones that ended up making the biggest impact, and that just shows the type of team to me that Kansas City is because they're, they're so unpredictable when it comes to guys that can make plays when it comes to big moments, and Andy Reid, the way he coaches and gets players in there and kind of mixes everything up to where you really can't predict what the offense or defense is going to do for an, entire, for an entirety of a game. Uh, in the words of Tony Romo, you know, the Niners really, they, they did a great d- job staying disciplined in their lane. They were in their, I think I heard the word lane. Like if you took a shot every time he said the word, they're in their rush lanes. They're in the lane. It's it, like, that's the one thing that he focused on is preparation. Yeah. And so then, And being where you're supposed to be, which I agree. And like yeah. being, you know, synchronized and disciplined. And I agree with that. And that's part of what made life hell for Isaiah Pacheco. 18 carries, 59 yards. And he had a fumble. Don't forget that, you know, I, I think we also, like, we, we talk so much about the turnover battle, deciding the outcome. This game in the first half was so darn sloppy. Guys who you never see fumble, i.e. Christian McCaffrey fumbling the ball, Isaiah Pacheco, and Patrick Mahomes throwing a pick. And so th- that's what was so wild to me was just, like, the sloppiness in the first half to then be so elite in the second half. But – that's what good teams do. They find a way to win. Mm-hmm. We always say that too, right? <clears throat> That's well, what we, we say. We can't find a way to win. <laughs> yeah, also not wrong there. <laughs> Taylor, you did go with Christian McCaffrey. Pretty I good did. game. Yeah, I mean, 160 total yards and a touchdown. I, I think that it's hard to not have McCaffrey. When you look at the Niners, he just can do so much. And it's just you feel like I, I wish he could have done a little more because it would have helped the Niners win. Um, but 
I, I feel like it, it's also when you look at somebody who has 80 rushing yards and 80 receiving yards, and in addition to that, you have Ayuk and Jennings and Samuel and Jusick, all these other guys getting catches, Chris Conley <laughs> getting catches. Um, you look at how well they're able to spread the ball, and he can still have 80 receiving yards plus another 80 rushing. It's just it's he's so fun to watch, and he's one of the guys that if, as this position is just kind of dwindling away in front of us, not like the position itself, but their kind of value, I guess. One like this is not. Like, if you can find somebody who's going to be like Christian McCaffrey, he'll get paid. Yeah, I wondered last week on the Fringy Show, if the 49ers win, do we see a little bit of a resurgence of the fullback yeah. because of Kyle Juszczyk and, and the way that Kyle Shanahan's able to use him and everything? And when the game first started, I was like, here we go. Yeah. But then I would say teams are not necessarily going to gravitate towards that. Uh, Mia, you went with 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel. Yes, which, I mean, the hamstring injury, do we think it was – actually more severe than he let on because he Much gutted possibly, it out. Yeah. He came back after yeah, he looked banged up. limping mm-hmm. off to the sideline. He's played through injuries all postseason. But I picked him knowing that this Niners offense operates on a different level when he's in the ball game. And mm-hmm. clearly he knew that. Obviously, it's the Super Bowl, so he was trying to do everything he could to play. But perhaps my favorite memory of Debo Samuel from this game will be when he was sitting on the sidelines knowing that Patrick Mahomes was marching down the field and was yeah. either going to win it or tie it. Yeah. Not once, but twice. Like, between like, here we go again. Between him and George Kittle, like, they're just sitting there and they're like, I cannot believe this is happening again. But Debo Samuel finishes with a mere three catches for eight yards. Um, he was targeted, though, I, I, I think it was like 11 times I heard. Something like that. Like, yeah, targeted. 11 times, yeah. He had 33 yeah. yards receiving oh sorry I was yeah, yeah. rushing. rushing that's yeah. why I was like why am I not seeing yeah, the targeted he was yes. targeted only had three receptions on 11 targets and that's very un Debo like that's how I feel like maybe that injury was a little more than what we were led on to believe and it's also to give a local connection to everything uh, it's a tribute to Shamari Connor the Trinity Christian product who was playing in the nickel for the Chiefs a lot of the time mm-hmm. they were really able to shut him down and of course it's also a tribute to Trent McDuffie who as Taylor yeah. alluded to and he was in coverage on Debo especially on that potential touchdown um, I mean, just sticky as they come. The whole game, he looked so good. That's one player that we could have named, and it's one that you probably wouldn't have right away. But he's actually played solid all season. But the way he was able to play in the Super Bowl, he definitely earned some badges in this game. JJ, you went with two players, 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy and Chiefs wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Well, he had a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I think that was his only catch. Uh, I thought Brock played pretty good. I thought so, too. You know, he didn't make any mistakes. Mm -hmm. He didn't really wow anybody, and he led him on a scoring drive in overtime. I mean, I I thought it was going to end right there on that third down that they called a holding late, but Mm -hmm. he, I mean, could have won the Super Bowl if it wasn't for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Here's the greatness to me of Patrick Mahomes, to your point. So Valdez Gately had three catches, 20 yards, the touchdown. Noah Gray, two catches, 22 yards. Justin Watson, three catches, 54 yards. Rasheed Ray, six catches, 39 yards. Like, And then obviously we talked yeah. about Hardman. Other than Kelsey, obviously there's not like the superstar on that team, but he yeah. passes he, or he spreads the ball around so well that he makes guys who might not be weapons anywhere else mm-hmm. into pretty good players because he finds them, you know, when in the zone. And he's so good. Mahomes is so good against the zone that it it always leads me to the question of how do you beat the Chiefs, and I don't know that we have an answer for that yet. Well, Coach Campo told me the stat. It was like the the, the Niners had two sacks, I think 19 hurries or something like that. Like they, they were very effective through mm-hmm. three quarters. And then when they only had pressure 17% of the time as opposed to 52% of the time like in the first half, Steve Wilkes opted for the zone blitz, and so he started bringing more than four. And as soon as he did that, 
Patrick Mahomes five for five against yeah. the Blitz. Like, he invites that mm-hmm. sort of pressure. Yeah. He wants you to bring He's more. He's like, bring it on. Right. Give <laughs> me the go. mismatch. Give me yeah. give me more numbers out there. And he I can will make you pay. Yeah. So yes. quickly. He raised the field so well. Yeah, exactly, with the football. All right, on the defensive side, Taylor, you went with 49ers linebacker Dre Greenlaw. That's what I'm saying. Oh. I felt so bad. I immediately was like, was all man, my jinx continues, and I didn't want it that way. Um, and he was playing so well too. Like you, you saw he was like in a menace for that, that first few minutes, and then it just the moment you saw him kind of fall, I was like, oh, this poor guy. And Fred Warner, you and mm-hmm. his face, you could tell like, no, right? Because those guys are so close. Yeah, yeah. That was a that was a bummer. Certainly, if you're a 49ers fan, and just in general, seeing him have to get on yeah. the cart like that. And I really sucks. do think it shifted, like because when you if you think you have a guy like that who like who had two interceptions recently, but in addition to not even that, like the interception stat number, he's played so well, especially towards the end of the season and into the playoffs. Like ha- losing a guy like that when you're facing a team or when you're facing someone like Patrick Mahomes, like that, it's just a killer. It certainly is. Mia, you had Chiefs cornerback Legarius Sneed. Yeah, um, there were a couple moments there, including when he drew that penalty, that I was like, ooh, remember that big pot of money that he made last, or two weeks ago in the AFC title game? Ah, not so sure, but obviously he recovered pretty nicely despite giving up a touchdown. I believe it was the first touchdown he'd given up in some time. I forget how many weeks exactly. But yes, Legarius Sneed, who is set to hit the free agent market, finished with three tackles and one pass defended. But again, that combination of him and Trent McDuffie and you throw in the rookie Shamari Connor, some of those other lesser known, not lesser known, but like the unsung heroes like Mike Edwards, who finished as the third leading tackler, Justin mm-hmm. Reed, who of course was acquired in free agency. He was the second leading tackler with nine tackles. Um, just guys that outside of McDuffie, who I think we're going to look back and view as a blue chip prospect in the first round from a few years ago out of Washington. And I think we'll look at Snead as a steal on day two for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Just guys that maybe they don't have the name of Jalen Ramsey or rattle off for me, you know, any of those like, oh, this guy's a perennial all pro, but they may be trending towards either that direction or just solid, solid production in the National Football League. JJ, you went with 49ers, Nick Bosa. I would say he was pretty active on Sunday. Oh, he was awesome. Um, total game changer in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, solid performance from Bosa. Yeah, yeah I agree. Two yes, tackles for do. loss and three quarterback hits. Didn't get a sack. Yeah, but... shockingly didn't get a sack, yeah. but but certainly he was there. played his tail off. A ton. Yeah. And then I went with Chiefs defensive end George Karloftis. He did share a sack with Justin Reed, who you mm-hmm. mentioned a moment ago, Mia. I, I mean, I would say pretty good game, solid game, not anything absolutely spectacular, but that's because I feel like neither of these teams were really getting after the quarterback. They were trying so hard to do that, but they couldn't quite get there. I think a lot of it, too, was trying to keep these two quarterbacks in a phone booth, trying to keep them just in the pocket as much as possible and trying to set the edge. I think that was more important in some instances than pressure, Mm -hmm. forcing them to make poor decisions as opposed to getting to them, where obviously Patrick Mahomes in particular thrives. I I think what was interesting with the pick of Karloftis, who I think has been great since he came into the National Football League, is that outside of Chris Jones, and we talked about this last week, I'm pretty sure, about how Steve Spagnuolo, who deserves all the flowers, Mm -hmm. um, that he keeps bringing guys from the secondary on blitzes and how physical those members of the secondary and the trio of linebackers are for the Chiefs. But in terms of pass rushers, like when you think Chiefs, you think Chris Jones. Mm -hmm. Maybe you think Carl Aftis now. Who else along that defensive front do you think of? Because the crazy part is, there's a good chance they lose Mike Dana in free agency because mm-hmm. he's coming up on the end of his contract. Apparently, Mike Pinnell, who was called up from the no. practice squad, is the greatest defensive tackle in NFL history. <laughs> Former and, Bear, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he's going to command money. 
And so what's fascinating is they actually spent, and yes, I know it was the 32nd overall pick, but they spent their first round pick last year on Felix Anuduke Uzama out of Kansas right. City. Yeah. He's barely played this year. He had a tackle for a loss in the Super Bowl. They're going to have to rely on him to step in and be productive next year. Out, you know, if Chris Jones is back, if he's not. How do you not bring him back? That's what I don't understand. Well, he doesn't want to be tagged. Right. He didn't start the season playing, so he's He's not afraid. He's okay with holding out. Absolutely, to hold out. So if you tag him and then he holds out and then you come to a deal like you did this year, I mean. He's worth more than a one-year deal. Well, the one-year deal was just to make sure he played. Right. I kept thinking he was over 30. He's not. He's 28 years Mm -hmm. old. Like, he's the same age as Mahomes. It's just for some reason, um, if you're a quarterback, that's young. If you play any other position in the NFL – 28 is old. Old. Right. I know. Like it's, I know. We, we don't, we haven't decided. Thank you, exactly Tom Brady. We, think, we yeah. appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, we get beat up. You know, every play, these other players. Right. Very true. Yeah. And they super protect or tried to super protect the quarterbacks now, some of them. Um, nobody had Harrison Butker either. And no. We could have could've had it. Could have had Moody. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have the kickers. Uh, we also didn't have Travis Kelsey. I just yeah. feel like he's such an uh, obvious, obvious one. Yeah. yeah. Choice. So, but it was fun it as was. I watched the game. Like, okay, we picked that person. We did not pick that person. <laughs> like again, Justin Watson, like I would never have thought to no. pick him. And you're always trying to overanalyze these, especially the Super Bowl matchup. All right, uh, let's get to the halftime show. Taylor, you were tweeting about it before. Mm-hmm. Did it live up to your expectations? Yes, I lo- I had so much fun. I mean, I, it took me back to, I mean, I guess I've been listening to Usher forever, but I my first, like, true memory is my seventh grade dance, and they were playing Usher, and it, it was, yeah. And so I, like, immediately was like, oh, my gosh, I remember doing all the dance moves <laughs> at my seventh grade dance to Usher, and then this just continues all the way to, like, now, like, through college, going to like going out to clubs and then playing Usher there, and me and Maria were just, I mean, absolutely were getting dancing? down. Oh yeah, okay. big time. And like the only thing that could have made it better is if he would have brought out Justin Bieber because like they had they're like little besties and they have songs together. I was like, bring out Bieber, bring out Bieber. They didn't, but Luda was good. Alicia I was, was great. Alicia was great. Alicia was good. Yeah, so I wish she I had, had more than one song. I know, me too. With him. Um, yeah, I, it was funny. I went to the grocery store on Super Bowl Sunday, and the cashier was wearing Mahomes jersey. So I asked her real quick, like, "Do you get off in time for the game?" And she was like, "Yes, absolutely." I, <laughs> she's like, "I normally work the night shift, but I specifically requested." So I was like, "Okay, good." And she's like, "I heard Alicia Keys is going to be at the halftime show." And mm. she's like, "I've seen Alicia Keys in concert, and she's spectacular." And I was like, "Oh, that sounds like a great concert." Mm-hmm. Well, then the girl behind me in line's like, "I heard Justin Bieber's going to be there." Uh, I would have. I was melted. like, "Well, both of you have heard way more than I heard. <laughs> I just heard about Luda." Yeah. And they both kind of looked at me like, "Yeah, of course, Luda's going." to be there but like who cares about that uh so alicia keys correct uh justin bieber in attendance with his wife Haley, but not performance but you loved it what about you mia yeah it was fantastic it brought back all the memories of the middle school dances of the the high school driving around in the car Mm -hmm. and yeah going to the beach all that good stuff so no i mean usher i think is one of the more underrated performers of the last 20 some odd years i think yeah and Confessions Part 2, like, that album may, or I know I said, yeah, but it's called Confessions, but still. Like, that album, I think, goes down as a top five, if not top ten album of the last 25 years. So good. I, I think different. people were introduced also, sorry, Taylor, to his dancing. Like, yeah. if they weren't Usher fans, yeah. they get to see just how good he is at that. Yeah. And, and I think also the amount of songs that even people that were at this Super Bowl party that were, like, a little older than us were like, man, I didn't know that was Usher. Oh, that's Usher, too? And I'm like, yep, all these are Usher. (laughs) Just keep them going. And he could have probably played for another, like, hour, and it would have been songs everybody still knows because that's how, like, deep his discography goes. Um, But uh, it was so much fun. I loved it. If you had taken a bet or made a bet before the halftime show whether or not he takes his shirt off, you would have bet yes, Yes, for sure. Yeah, okay. (laughs) So people acting like they were shocked. I was like, (laughs) really? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. I was like, you know his shirt's coming off at some point in time. And anytime they weren't showing him, I'm like, you know he's changing. Yeah. That's how this Did works. Did you see all the, like, crazy, okay, the one girl, like, slipped down the stripper pole, fell yeah. off the stripper pole. Another guy, like, flew up into the air at one point when Luda was on. And if you look in the background of the... I don't know how they got him that high up in the air, but this guy was like 20 feet into the air at some point. I was like, there was a lot of madness going on in the background, but everyone was just so intrigued by like what Usher and Ludacris were doing. They didn't even notice people were falling. That's right. And Lil John. Lil John. Lil John. John. Lil John. Shots was fantastic. I enjoyed that. Um, Yeah, I I saw a couple of our listeners on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures were like worried about, oh, how do I tell my, my little child about strippers and... And exotic dancers and I was like well maybe not watch the Super Bowl halftime show because this has been going on for years now buddy boy um it's just the nature of you know it's how it goes yeah we've seen some body parts in, in former ones so yeah exactly <laughs> this was tame compared to that I know uh, I know Leon was a little worried about Alicia Keys a married woman getting a little too close to her one of her best uh, buds and uh, yeah, I've but, seen uh, some stuff about that one too. yeah but hey that's also a great meme now that we have so yeah. th- that's what I strive for I strive for good content to emerge from significant sporting events and that's what we got from this one yeah. that we did Taylor will take us around the NFL when we come back you're listening to Hamilton Heels driven by Tyrell on Tennis Excel and 82.5 FM Stilettos and Sabermetrics. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. Welcome back to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Mio, Brian Taylor, Dahl, and Lauren Brooks. JJ LaSalva making it all happen. All right, Taylor, what do you have for us around the NFL? All right, now that we are officially into... No! I know, the NFL offseason... Um, I, th- I figured we'd go around to some of the bigger off-season storylines. One of them very close to my heart, but we'll, we'll get to that one in a little bit. That's um, been a storyline. That's big. I, that's be- I <laughs> yeah. feel like it's been growing bigger and bigger every day. Yeah, and uh, especially on my side of Twitter. But um, we'll, get, we'll get to that one. I want to start with one of them uh, because I feel like every year in the off-season, we see at least one big trade. And I feel like we can go back at least the, five, the last five, six years – and point out those last year, maybe the the DJ Moore Panthers Bears trade was probably one of the bigger ones too. But one player we've seen kind of start to have issues with his team, with his quarterback, and also uh, some loss in production this year, and Stefan Diggs. And um, so we already kind of heard rumors a little bit that he was over in Buffalo pretty much and wanted to get out. Um, so this does Stefan Diggs request a trade or do you see anybody going after him do you think his value decreased at all with what happened this last season and him not seeming like the Diggs we're used to seeing what do you guys think I mean I think there's certainly uh, there is a team out there that would be interested in Stefan Diggs mm-hmm. I'm not it, the way I see it is it goes one of two ways either he goes right to a contender who is in win now mode excuse me i.e. the Los Angeles Rams of a few years ago, yeah, um, akin to what OBJ did or what OBJ did with the Baltimore Ravens this past offseason. So I could see that sort of scenario. Um, I also could see a world in which a team that has a ton of cap space and is rebuilding, like a Carolina Panthers or maybe a team that's a little bit closer in the Houston Texans, mm-hmm. um, maybe they say we're pushing all our chips to the middle of the table and we will take digs. Now, would I do I think he would go to the Texans who just are coming off of a playoff appearance? Yes. I was just about to say that. Do yeah. I think he's going to Carolina or Washington, even if they throw a bag at him? No, I do not. Mm-hmm. Um, we also forget, to Lauren's point in the last now, what segment. If, what if, side note real quick, what if 
and this connects to another part of the story, Washington trades up and takes Caleb Williams. Do you think that would be that would entice him a little more for Washington? No, because I think he's in win now mode. Yeah. And he's thirty. Yeah. Right. And that's what Lauren said it. Like, you know, twenty eight is considered old at other positions. Yeah. Like people would consider Stefan Diggs approaching the twilight of his mm-hmm. career, which is crazy to think because yeah. I think he's still got some good years left in him. Um but it will be fascinating. I would think he goes to a team that believes they're in win now mode and mm-hmm. that has the ability to still pay him. But at the same time, if you let him walk, the cupboard is bare at the mm-hmm. wide receiver position in Buffalo because I think Gabe Davis is going to command a pretty nice little salary on the open market. Yeah. I don't think Stefan Diggs goes anywhere, even though there has been the rumblings, like you said, and, and there's been a little bit of drama and everything. I still think at the end of the day, he's going to play for Buffalo for the foreseeable. Yeah. Um, so several veteran quarterbacks that may have different homes coming up. Some of these because uh, they their time just where they are might not be there. Some just maybe because of situations that they aren't getting along in their current situation. Do you see any of these guys being on a different team than they played in this year? Uh, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill, Russell Wilson, Mac Jones. The last three for sure. Yeah. Um, you definitely see them being somewhere else? Yes. Okay. I think, well, hello. Sean Payton goes out to Las Vegas this past week and literally said to multiple people, including Kay Adams, yeah, I need to fall in love with a quarterback soon. <laughs> like, dog. Like, Russ is like, dang. Have you ever heard of, like, PR, public relations? Like Sean Payton doesn't care. No. Trying to craft a message? No. Just straight up was like, I need to fall in love with a quarterback. <laughs> whether it's in the draft or somewhere else. Okay, Russell Wilson's just sitting here, so I expect him to be gone. Uh, Mac Jones is gone. I don't know to yeah. where. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tannehill. Tannehill is gone. Yeah. Obviously, that's Will Levis's show. Um, those two, I think it'll be curious to see where they land because mm-hmm. the assumption is that they'd be a backup, but will it be in a situation, i.e., in Pittsburgh, where there could be a quarterback competition, or yeah. do you bring in a guy like Gardner or Justin Fields for that? That We'll get to that in a second. Um, the first two, though, no, Kirk Cousins, in my opinion, will be in Minnesota. And then who was the second one? Baker, uh, Mayf- Baker. Baker Mayfield. I mean, they went out and hired his guy. Like, yeah. They literally went out and hired Liam Cohen, and Liam Cohen stood at the podium and said, yes, I am here because Baker Mayfield <laughs> wants to be here. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, Baker's, what more do you need to Baker's say? Baker's definitely their quarterback next year for the Bucks. What I don't know about is Kirk Cousins because I, don't, I didn't understand why they – a year ago, there were talks about they might move on from him, and yet he played really well. Obviously, did have the injury, but he's a free agent currently, and so he could also decide he doesn't want to go back to Minnesota. Yeah. So that, to me, is a really intriguing storyline. The other ones aren't as intriguing of storylines because the quarterbacks aren't very successful. Mm-hmm. Minnesota yeah. also picks at 11. Sorry to cut you off. Yes. And that's where... There's well, rumors they may trade up. Uh, yeah, to try to get a quarterback. I mean, yeah. hey, there there are you don't rumors. You have to trade up. You well, can get right. They'll probably Penix get Penix or, or Nicks. Bo Nix. Yeah. One of them will be there. But there were rumors last year that they were going to try to move up for Anthony Richardson. And so, it's, I mean. It's, it's also interesting with Kirk because who who slash what will a team play Kirk, pay Kirk? Because he met, his last contract was $80 million, and people already kind of mocked that at that time. And so what is somebody willing to pay Kirk? Who would be willing to pay Kirk? And what is Kirk going to say yes to? There's so many questions in, in that area. And then also I, I think the Vikings are looking towards a, a next quarterback because they do have – They've had chances, and Kirk is – he does – he he's able to get them to a certain point, but it definitely, like, hits a max where he hasn't been able to take them over that hump, and we've seen that with other quarterbacks around the league. So it'll be interesting, though, with if they throw Kirk on a – I just don't know if he'll be starting somewhere or if he's going to be one of those guys that 
ends up playing when one of the quarterbacks get hurt next year, more of that type of situation. But Baker, I see. I mean, I think Tampa's just full on rolling with Baker. At this yeah, point. and I'm very curious to see how that bet p- plays off. I know plays out for them. I mean, Baker's still again. Relatively what was his contract like? One year. Okay. Yep. So again, relatively young, considering yeah. um, what the age of a quarterback is considered as young versus old. Um, Baker's it, 28. Yeah. So again, he's considered young still by quarterback standards. What I'm curious to see is. They go to the second round of the playoffs, yes, but are you bringing Mike Evans back? Are you bringing Devin White back? Is that defense, as much as they added nice, exciting young pieces like Yaya Diaby and Mm -hmm. um, what's his name? Uh, Cansey, Kalijah Cansey and Joe Tryon Shoinko. So, like, they've added young pieces to just naturally grow with that old veteran guard, Mm -hmm. but at what point does that catch up to you? We saw it here in Jacksonville in 2018-2019. The defense got old quick, and and then what was left if you didn't actually have playmakers to elevate the play of the quarterback? Yeah. So that's where with Tampa, it's it's hedging a bet that they're going to have enough other pieces to surround Baker to be successful. I read that there have not been uh, talks going on between the Bucks and Baker. Okay. So he played last year on the one-year deal for $7 million, but of course he's going to expect a lot more. Yeah. And so I think that will be the interesting part. I still think he plays for them, but I don't know – how long it's going to take for that to get settled because obviously he's going to want a three-year deal. Yeah. His his original deal, I think, with the Browns was like four years, $32 million. So okay. he's made certainly some money, money plus yeah. endorsements. Uh, as far as the Vikings, who's going to pay him? I think that's a really interesting question. Uh, but certainly there has to be teams out there. I mean, we just talked about Sean Payton with Russell Wilson. Wouldn't you way rather have at this stage Kirk Cousins and the way he uh, has been really good? Now, granted, he also has really good weapons too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Which, the by the way, Jay Jetta said today he's not going to sign a long-term deal with the Vikings until he knows the quarterback plan. Mm. So they yeah. may they may have to come up with their plan, whether that's <laughs> yeah, bringing Kirk back, for picking Jefferson. a quarterback that Justin Jefferson <laughs> cannot wants. lose. Jefferson, but like yeah. the deal that Cousins signed a few that. years ago, eighty-four million guaranteed. That was so much conversed about because of the fact that no one had done an yeah. all guaranteed um, you know deal at that point in time a contract now what's happened and then Deshaun Watson <laughs> yeah. and the Browns were like hold my beer Knock we'll, that out of the we'll give him 200 and whatever it was 56 million and so I, I'm sure that if I'm cousins I'm gonna go after another fully guaranteed yeah. deal it just may not be for quite as long now and the interesting thing with uh, Baker and Tampa too is because is this a fluke season? Because we've seen the years previous of what Baker was, and we, we, you know, we talked about how much better he got, but we did that last year with Geno, and then we saw things kind of come back to earth with Geno Smith, too, after they – and I think his contract was only a couple years. So it's, it's interesting, too, how much Bucks are willing to dedicate to Beck, Baker, too, without seeing beyond one season of being able to be successful. Uh, so they still have Kyle Trask. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Trask is just waiting in the out. wings. <laughs> Uh, another big one is uh, the Bengals wide receivers. There's a lot of uh, Jamar Chase now extension eligible. Uh, we're hearing T Higgins possibly going to be tagged. Uh, that leaves Tyler Boyd probably going to be free, uh, free agent. And so I, I, there's a lot of questions there because not only right now, but they do have to not only, and Mia and I were talking about this before the show of, hey, you got, you just had to pay Joe. Now you have to pay Jamar. We're going to be talking about a contract with Jamar. Uh, what are you going to do with T? If you do tag him for this next year, you're going to have to figure that coming up. And they have multiple contracts because the way that they've kind of built their team recently, which has been great because they've hit on a lot of draft picks, but they all were within like a three-year span of guys that they're going to have to pay pretty close to each other. So uh, is that how you're feeling? You'll, they'll figure out something with Jamar, tag T, figure it out later, and Tyler Boyd, Boyd will be a free agent? Yes. 
Yes. That yeah. is fully what I expect to happen. And obviously, if you're Joe Burrow, you want T. Higgins on your football yeah. team. You know Jamar Chase is going to be there. You also want T. Higgins yeah. coming off the injury. And he's got great chemistry with them. And, I mean, I think at the end of the day, the cap also keeps increasing, so you got to just be able to move money around. We saw it with the Jags this past offseason. They extended certain guys, so that way they could have uh, more money available. We all thought they'd use that uh, mm-hmm. on a pass rusher. They did not. But moving right along, yeah, I think – the question is, after this season, what do they do with T. Higgins? Yeah. And that's the the tricky part about the tag is you're just delaying the inevitable usually because you end up, for the most part, you want to keep that person. Yeah. You're going to want to pay them eventually. Usually. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. I can't think Not of the top of my head of, time, yeah, of a yeah. guy who got franchise tagged and everyone was like, oh, thank goodness we didn't sign him to a long-term deal. <laughs> yeah. right. Usually because they realize this is such a big contract year, mm-hmm. like Josh Allen did this past season. Yes. Uh, so the next one, do running backs continue to struggle to find lucrative deals? Um, because last year we saw Josh Jacobs, Saquon Bar- Barkley, and Tony Pollard all get tagged. So now those are three contracts that are all back at having to be viewed and figured out. And then in addition to that, guys like Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler are both now um, set to hit the open market. So do you see any of these guys getting the money? I, Saquon, Derrick, one of them, getting the money they deserve? Or do you see us still having the struggles that we did last year of these guys getting upset because they're not getting the money they want? I do, and you want to know why I think they're going to get paid? Because I think they're going to take a boatload of cash and go to one of the following teams. And by one of the following teams, I am rattling off the teams with the most cap space mm-hmm. in the National Football League heading into this offseason. The Washington Commanders, the Tennessee Titans, the New England Patriots, the Houston Texans, and the Indianapolis Colts. Now, of those five, the only ones who are expected to compete at a high level next year at this juncture are probably the Houston Texans and, to an extent, the Indianapolis Colts, Mm -hmm. um, which they have their own decision, obviously, to make with Jonathan Taylor. But I could see a world in which the Texans go big game hunting and go get Saquon. Um, Good luck with that bet. He stayed healthy this year. Mm -hmm. We know his injury history over the last four or five years. Um, I could see the Titans saying, hey, you know what? Derrick Henry exits stage right. Bring in an Austin Eckler stage left. We want to get quicker. We want to get more agile. And so I do think one of those teams, or even perhaps a Raiders or a Cardinals, which also are ranked in the top 10 in terms of cap space, could throw a bag at those guys and say, you know what? We have the room. We need to jumpstart our offense. We have a young quarterback, or in the case of the Cardinals, we have a quarterback who is entering, quote-unquote, his prime, and we need to elevate the playmakers around him. I think the money just keeps getting worse and worse for the backs. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that any team is going to spend a ton because they realize they can just draft guys and pay them virtually nothing. And we talk about it all the time. I mean, the backs that win on the championship teams are usually not paid very much. And we're not going to see a lot of guys getting second contracts. Hayes brought this up on the Frangie show the other day about Travis Etienne. We all love Travis Etienne. But is he going to get a second contract here in Jacksonville? I, I think that's a legitimate question because why wouldn't you just draft a guy in the third or fourth round? Yeah. Uh, Fifth-year option and then tagged is what I anticipate mm-hmm. okay. with Travis Etienne. And, and maybe that's the way they go, and yeah. maybe they do the fifth-year option and then they draft someone. And it's the value has gone down so much that it it sucks for them because they work just as hard as everybody else, and they take that beating um, more so almost than everyone else on the field. Yeah, and just interesting looking back at the season – and when you look at the teams with the lowest rushing yards as a, for a team as a whole, Bucks were the lowest playoff team. Texans behind that playoff team. Uh, Chargers below that, so not. Bengals below that. Would have if Joe Burrow wasn't hurt, most likely. Rams playoff team. 
Uh, those are the bottom rushing teams, and the yep. majority of them were in the playoffs. And then when you look at the top, Bears, not a playoff team, but Ravens, which were in the playoffs, obviously. Falcons, not. Giants, not. Eagles struggled really badly. So it's almost like, like you said, not only can they find these guys, they've been able to kind of just be like, hey, new guy in the draft, come in, plug and play, and they you have been able to find at least a decent amount of success, but also there's no direct correlation right now of teams being able to rush and be successful. Well, and your quarterbacks a lot of times now are rushing the ball, too. Yeah. We just saw in the Super Bowl, Patrick that's Mahomes the leading rusher of the <laughs> yeah. Chiefs. That's certainly for the yeah. Ravens. And so you don't it just you don't need a running back the way you once did. Yeah. St- they still can play a, certainly an important role. Look at Christian yeah. McCaffrey and the 49ers. Well, sure. and the, we complain about the Jags' lack of being able to run the ball, hurting them. So there is a balance that you need, but you don't need this guy that you're going to pay X million dollars to because you just need somebody to be able to keep that balance. Absolutely. You want to talk players' championship next? Let's do it. Miranda Rossum, I hear, is already on site. Oh, right. Excellent. And by on site, I don't mean at the players' championship. I mean she's here at 10 <laughs> We will chat with Miranda coming up next. And we have a giveaway, so keep it right here on 10 to Next on 92.5 FM. Helmets and Heels on 1010XL, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans. Taylor Dalmia O'Brien, JJ Silva, I'm Lauren Brooks, and we now welcome in Miranda Rossum, the Players PR Manager. Miranda, thanks so much for joining us in studio tonight. Thanks for having me, guys. I know it's been a minute, so it sure has. All right, how many days away are we? I know the countdown is on. Twenty-seven. Well, twenty-nine because yesterday was thirty. You're right. Well, it's like, is it? Are you going to Tuesday? And that's what I always wonder. I always go to Tuesday because that's military appreciation. Mm And that means the concert. Yeah. Right. So I always you go feel like Tuesday. that's when it fully kicks off because that's when everyone obviously does. everyone's getting down there for the first time to see the concert. Our shows there. You our shows are there. So it, it just feels like that's the big like this is the day. But if you're a golf fan mm-hmm. only, then yes, Thursday. you could say Thursday is when the official rounds start. And by the way, we do have two tickets to the practice run on Wednesday to give away towards the end of the segment, along with twenty five dollars to Bono's Pit Barbecue. So make sure you're listening for that. How you feeling about everything? Good. I think. We have a really awesome lineup of activities this year. It's our 50th birthday, so oh. we're throwing ourselves a little birthday party this year. We've got a new logo to celebrate, an awesome military appreciation concert lined up. Cole Slindell, I know you yes. guys are some country fans Absolutely. in here, so big fan of his. And I think it's just going to be a really good time. And I know it's like now we're, and we said this last year, but I feel like now we're really back in the swing of things post-pandemic, and so... I know that's allowed for you guys to kind of be creative once again in terms of where vendors are situated. I know mm-hmm. where we are going to be at 1010XL is actually moving. We're going to be on 9 Green instead of in Sawgrass Square. So we'll have a nice oh. view right there. Which I wasn't be, even told that. Yeah, so we'll have a nice <laughs> view of the clubhouse and 9 Taylor's Green. Taylor's going to get lost. <laughs> oh, again. Right. Um, so oh, we're by minibar. We're not. So oh, that's good. <laughs> I know there's a couple other new activations you guys are really excited for. Yeah, I think one. The Intracoastal Club being yep, the biggest yes, of them. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is our new venue that's on 12 and 13 Mia got to see it last week what's really cool about that is there's a drivable par 4 and then a par 3 so from where you're sitting you'll be able to see 7 different uh, shots which I don't think you'd get that anywhere else and you're still uh, proximate to Tacos on 12 so pretty good spot perfect spot Yeah. sometimes Tacos on 12 they're they're all alone out there (laughs) I worry about poor Taco Lou I think they do just fine right I know but they're (laughs) themselves that's how they dominate and monopolize it but at the same time I worry about them because they're by themselves so at least now there's friends yeah they've got some friends for them there and then I think also like you said bringing back some new events 
that had previously went away. Monday we had our charity shootout, which had this is the first year that we've been able to bring it back since COVID, and it was so much fun. Mia was there. Um, and then we're going to be able to blow out Military uh, Appreciation Day even more with the ceremony, so it'll be fun. One of the things, speaking of Taylor getting lost, because every year it happens <laughs> at some point, um, the app last year that dropped mm-hmm. had the navigation on it, tons of things. I used it a ton. It was great. That is back. It is back better okay. than ever. Love There's it. even more. There's going to be more virtual reality included as well. Are people going to be walking around with the goggles? So, yes. <laughs> what? You know those Apple Vision? Mm-hmm. The Players is going to be the first tournament that has all 18 holes with the goggles. Wow. I still They were testing them out at work the other day, and people looked crazy. <laughs> so, like, the patrons are like, you don't have to be at the golf course? So, that I think there's two kind of separate buckets of it, if you will. There's bringing the course to your home. And, and that's through Apple Vision. That's through the Apple Vision. But then there's also almost like bringing your home to the course. Like you're getting all the stats read out to you like you would if you're watching on a TV. So it's kind of bringing it both together, if that makes any so sense. So you're like staring. That's pretty cool. You're like looking at Justin Thomas as if you're like watching him on TV. But he's on 18 on the tee. And then it's telling you up in the right-hand corner the yardage. Mm-hmm. That's cool, though. Trippy. Yeah. That's I love tripping. that because normally, especially most views are great, but there's sometimes where you're kind of looking around like, hold on, where, like, what, what par is this? Or you're trying to find that information. So just throw up your phone and it's perfect. Yeah. Cause I think like when you go to a Jaguars game, right? Like mm-hmm. you can watch a Jumbotron, even if mm-hmm. you have the nosebleeds, like anywhere you are, you know exactly what's going on. You know, okay, it's third and one. You don't really have that with golf because yeah. you're so spread out and there's not that one central like location. Now, it's going to be at your fingertips. And I think, you know, in the next 10, 20 years, it's going to be even crazier. They're talking about having um, like a contact lens Whoa. or something wow. like that that goes over your eye. Like, what? We got like a <laughs> briefing at work and crazy. This is the beginning of that new age. And it's starting at TPC Sawgrass. <laughs> yeah, like, we did it first. The entire <laughs> world is about to change the sporting experience. And it started with the players. The masters are like, can't bring your contacts. <laughs> Or Apple Vision. Yeah, you're not allowed to have phones there. So TPC, let's have some fun. Um, speaking of fun. Not as much fun as TPC Sky. (laughs) Well, great segue, Lauren. That was just what I was just about to ask Miranda. Obviously, I know you're focused on the player side of things, but being at the tour, that's kind of been the hot Mm -hmm. button topic the last few days. The party that is the waste management open in Phoenix. Um, part of that, I think, and I've said this on air, like I think, especially, and you can attest to this too, the 2022 players were like we had the rain delays, and so then when they did open the gates, it was like just uh, it was like everybody just filed in. It was a stampede. Mm-hmm. I think at twelve o'clock that Saturday, the op- the resuming of the second round. Yeah, and that's what it kind of felt like with waste management because I think because Wednesday or Thursday and Friday, excuse me, were such washouts. People went nuts on Saturday and Sunday. Is that how the tour is viewing it, or maybe it's we might need to scale it back a little bit? Um, I think. The tour writ large is always going to, like, espouse their fan code of conduct, you know, training their volunteers. I think that was probably just a a myriad of things and just created a perfect storm. I think what's nice about players in comparison to any other event is that there's a little bit of something for everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, it is that elevated event like a major you're still going to see some of the best golf in the world so if that's your thing you got it if you are looking to bring your family to enjoy the players guess what kids come in free we got a kids zone 
and donuts and everything. Like you'll have so much fun. <laughs> and let them roll down the hill. Yeah. yeah. And then if you want to go and you want to party, we have a little bit of that too. I'm not saying that we're going to have it quite to the level of waste management, but there is something for everyone there. Mm-hmm. And I think that we do a pretty good job of balancing all of that. So, And I think the volunteers at the players are second to none. Oh and uh, I'm sure Billy Horschel and Zach Johnson would echo the same, and not just because <laughs> they live near here, um, but because obviously they both in particular took some uh, some issue with some of those unruly patrons out in Phoenix over the weekend. Yeah, and I think we're obviously going to love Billy as our hometown hero. You know, <laughs> a so great game. Well. Yeah, I was going to say if there's some Knowles fans in the in the building, then maybe not. But and like you said, Mia, our volunteers are awesome. Mm-hmm. Like second to none. These people. We had launched our returning volunteer registration in October, and they crashed the website oh because <laughs> 800 people signed up in 36 minutes. Holy moly. Yeah. Well, I think because they understand how important their role is for mm-hmm. the Players' mm-hmm. Championship. They understand how important the Players' Championship is to our city and to our community. And so, yeah, certainly uh, to all of them, uh, we thank you for, for everything that you do. As far as telling the story of the players turning 50, what are some of the biggest storylines that, that have been, as you're the PR manager, what have been <sighs> the biggest storylines that you've been working on? There's some really just like untold stories that we have just been like squirreling away over the years. I was at uh, Furick and Friends at Tim Aquana and Davis Love mentioned that he worked at a lemonade stand at the first Players' nice. Championship in 1974 <laughs> in Atlanta. The first one was in Atlanta. His dad worked at the country club that it was held at, Atlanta Country Club, and him and his brother had a lemonade stand on like the second hole or something like that and then he goes on to win multiple players like I think that is such a cool story and it's little little tidbits like that that we're really leaning into to kind of tell some because everyone knows about Tiger and Mm -hmm. the big ones but now we can kind of lean into some of these fun ones I won't uh, ask you the Tiger question (gasps) since I know you've been asked it quite frequently it's okay well, it's his week. It's his tournament. Are you week, asking so or not asking? <laughs> I just, I, I, you know, I just figured if I figured if I threw it out like, there, I'm not going to ask this question. But <laughs> Mia's wondering if Tiger's going to play the Players Championship. We won't know, but certainly how he does this week at Genesis Invitational will mm-hmm. tell. I think a lot how healthy he is, how well he plays. Yeah, it's a very hilly course, so I know that that is taxing on him. But I know that he just dropped his new merch line. Yes, Sunday Red. Yeah, and so I think he's very excited about that. He did mention that he wants to play one event a month. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this if you're looking up. at the schedule, March, I mean. And it's the highest elevated event, too, in the mm-hmm. month of March is the Players' Championship. I mean, he does have a long history of doing really well at Arnold Palmer, but. This is his last year of eligibility for the players, too. So mm. he's got to strike Tiger. all he can. That's interesting. <laughs> right. will, will we have the new ta- uh, tailor-made Tiger line at the fan shop? Do we know yet? Or what's kind of what, what do you know so far about that new line of clothes? Because I know that that's kind of been a big talking point online the last few days. That's a good question. I don't know yet. Because is it just available yeah. on TaylorMade.com? Or? But has the line itself dropped or have they just announced the partnership? That's I think they just announced that's it. What I like it was too. previews. So yeah. I'm guessing it'll probably be a little too early for players. But don't let that discourage you. <laughs> there will be plenty of other fun We goodies. were just talking hats. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's funny when it comes to the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes, obviously the Chiefs wear red and they play on Sundays. And when I think of like the f- most formidable opponent, obviously people want to refer to Patrick Mahomes as Michael Jordan and, and I'm not going to take anything away from him as far as that's concerned. But I immediately think of Tiger Woods. 
I think of if you have to face Tiger on Sunday mm-hmm. and whether Tiger has a you know the lead or not, you still like you're going up against Tiger Woods and he's wearing his Sunday red. And so that's what I always think of when I watch the Chiefs play in the Super Bowl. Um, by the way, his line will not be available online until May 1st in the United yeah. States and Canada, unfortunately. They're working feverishly around the clock, I'm sure, to create that. All right, we've got two tickets to the Wednesday practice round. That's one of my favorite days. Uh, to attend the players because it's loose and laid back and so much fun. So if you want to go to that, plus also you get a $25 gift card to Bono's Pit Barbecue, pick a caller number for me, Miranda, between 1 and 10. 9. 9. All right, caller number 9, 641-1010. You win the tickets to the Wednesday practice round, the pair of tickets to that, and the $25 to Bono's Barbecue. We will have you in each week with updates. Miranda, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. We will talk to you next week, and when we come back, we will get to our highlights. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tara on Touchdown XL on 2.5 FM. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. All right, we've got our highlights coming up. I always like to guess in my head, like, who is going to have what? I do not think you'll guess either of ours. Okay, good. (laughs) So the mystery and intrigue begins now. On the Nickelodeon Super Bowl broadcast, Noah Eagle gives Iowa football the love it deserves. Hey, SpongeBob and Patrick, have you guys ever heard of a place called Iowa? 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 It sounds exotic. Well, in Iowa, they like to say punting is winning. Yeah. And right now, punting is very much winning for both these teams. The fighters are winning. Florida's Leanne Wong got a 10 on bars Friday night in the win versus Arkansas. Well, the precision in these handstands and release moves looks so good for Leanne. Just needs a stick. I don't know what the judges are going to take there, John. Do we have perfection in Gainesville? It looks pretty darn good. On the Nickelodeon Super Bowl broadcast, Dora the Explorer explains game rules. What does Dora think about all this? Okay, who needs a map to help find the end zone? (laughs) Where are we going? Back five yards! It's holding. Dora, please tell what us what that means. Aren't they all trying to hold Holding each other? Holding is the what? illegal grabbing of a player who is not in possession of the football. Say it with us. Players, no holding. <laughs> Two Nickelodeon <laughs> broadcasts. I already had in my head that I was going to do that. I was not watching the Nickelodeon broadcast, but I was seeing so many clips afterwards, and it was absolutely hilarious. She said, who needs a map to find the end zone? I was like, um... Teams that I know here pretty well <laughs> could have used a map to find the end zone a few times. But the, it was just hilarious. But it was also cool because, honestly, they're like kids watching that and learning the game as they're watching it, but with like familiar cartoons and faces they know is such a good idea. But the way they did it was like low-key for adults funny. And I think that builds off of the success they've had in the playoff games because they had never done a Super Bowl yeah. on this Nickelodeon broadcast. I think it builds on the Toy Story game that we mm-hmm. saw the Jaguars yeah. participate in week four against the Atlanta Falcons. And I also want to credit Nate Burleson while we can because that man is the Did everything. <laughs> hardest working man in television. Give him a raise. I don't care that he already makes millions of dollars. That he literally went from doing 
what, six-hour pregame on the NFL today, mm-hmm. then goes and calls the game on Nickelodeon, takes a break at halftime to go do the halftime show, then goes back to call the second half, then does the postgame show, then wakes up three hours later to do CBS This Morning. Whew. Yeah. Like, that is, a, that is quite the word. What? Insane. He's great. And, uh, and yes, I, I did text my good friend Noah Eagle yesterday, um, and I was like, the moment you <laughs> so uttered that, funny. I had like 20 people send me the link. And he was like, listen, I'm just trying to hel- uh, help be a, a small part in Tory Taylor's rise to fame and glory. <laughs> and uh, and I said to him, when he is inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2048, because he has Tory Taylor, who the Iowa punter is at long last draft eligible and entering the NFL draft this season. Um, he will punt for the next 20 years and then be a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer and get in five years five years later. Um, he will reference Noah and that call in 2048 in, in his it. speech in Canton. Patrick said, Patrick from SpongeBob said, punters are winning. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much how the first half went. That's how Iowa football fans feel. That <laughs> yes, sure. exactly. It was such a good call. And a credit to Noah, of course, as well, who one of the rising stars in this industry. And Did he go to Syracuse? He did go to Syracuse, okay. yes. he, uh, Which, of course, is where his father went. But, um, you know, in this world in which people want to talk about nepotism and this, that, and the other, like, look, like, is part of the novelty of why CBS executives first looked at Noah when he was in college at 19, 20 years old because of his last name? Yeah, sure. They did a cool little thing where he was calling the game at Syracuse, the basketball game for the student radio station, while his father was calling the game for CBS, the nationally televised broadcast. And they did a thing where they, like, switched roles during the game. This is, you know, seven, eight years ago now. And, like, that's what first got him on the radar. But, like, Noah wanted to go be an MTV host or, like, go work at Nickelodeon. He just happens to be good at broadcasting and got some opportunities and enjoys that, too. And so that's why the Nickel- We got the best of the both worlds. Exactly. That's weekend. why this is literally his This is literally his wheelhouse. And so it's it's obviously great to see. Because yeah, he did the Notre Dame game, I think Ohio, Notre Dame-Ohio State earlier in the year. And did he did so well afterwards because I was talking to you about it. And you're like, oh, I know Noah. I oh, like, oh, and you know the story behind that. Mm-mm. So he's out in L.A. prepping to do the Chargers preseason final game of the preseason. And he gets a call that uh, Jack Collinsworth had vertigo mm. and doctors wouldn't clear him. I hope I'm not breaking HIPAA by saying this. Um, <laughs> he, he wasn't cleared to travel. Mm-hmm. And so they straight up called Noah like Monday or Tuesday. And they were like, book a flight, bill it to us. You got to be in Ireland by Friday morning. And wow. he, like, I mean, like, are you kidding? Well, he crushed it. And so he absolutely crushed it. But yes. Uh, and he is, listen, he is as talented as they come. He is a hard worker. And, uh, yes, also has a knack for pop culture, which is why what made the Nickelodeon broadcast perfect. Did you watch Dora the Explorer growing up? No. I I think that was a a little after me. I did. I think I was a little (laughs) old for Dora. My my sister and brother were that age, so it was on. Yeah, I'm sure when I like babysat, but I, I, would, I would argue that Dora taught me more, uh, more of the Spanish language than the Freehold Township Elementary and Middle School system did. Um, my mother would probably attest to that if she's listening right now. So shout out to Dora. I when I babysat Barney was on television. That was Barney, the, yeah. Barney. Well, she started in 2000. Don't worry. So I was already 10 years old. So that's a little, a little yeah. too young for me. But makes sense. Uh, and my highlight, I think most people could guess. I chose Leanne Wong and her perfect 10 on bars, which you couldn't quite tell if it ended up being scored a perfect 10 because that takes way too long in gymnastics for the judges to come to that decision. But, yes, it was was. a perfect 10. 
And it was glorious to see. So Florida, obviously, in the past few years has been a national championship contender. This year, we'll see, uh, currently ranked sixth in the country. But they've not been as good in certain areas as you would expect. And that would be, for me, floors and bar. And mm-hmm. so the ten, the, the perfect 10 certainly helped Florida. Basically, Arkansas didn't stand a chance in this meet, uh, even though they're also ranked. Uh, they're ranked 13th in the country they were. But it, Florida was better than them from the get-go. But Florida's worst apparatus is floor, which is really surprising because Florida has always been really good at floor. And for people who don't know but are Gator fans, every single gymnast on floor at some point puts the Gator chomp in her routine, mm-hmm. whether it's the beginning, middle, and anywhere she wants. Uh, and so and with the electric home crowd, it's usually sold out at the O'Connell Center. It's just surprising to me that Florida has not been nearly as good on floor but Florida's been really good on beam uh, and has struggled a little bit on bars as well. Like I've said, Kayla DiCello, she was so good on beam, or sorry, on bars, but she's now with the Olympics. So either way, it was great to see Leanne Wong get the perfect 10. And uh, I, my Friday nights, the highlight of all of my Friday <laughs> nights are gymnastics. I am locked in start to finish, and uh, it was good to see. I have a couple questions. Go so I know last time I asked about like the home advantage of uh-huh. certain things and yep. you were saying the floor yep so when you get to finish on floor get yep. to finish on floor and so it, their crowd is allowed to make noise during that but oh yeah are they allowed on not other no you, oh, you can, can make noise yeah oh, okay. you can make noise the entire time the tricky part is you usually have two gymnasts going on kind of at the same time okay, gotcha. especially during a quad meet then mm-hmm. uh which florida has this upcoming weekend but a lot of times, too, it'll be like one's kind of finishing one is one starting the other. So you don't want to make noise for your uh, own gymnast, let's say, Messing on Messing her up, yeah. Or something like that, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the crowd is can can certainly influence it. But it's more just, I think, to end the night on floor yeah. um, or certainly if your gymnast gets a 10 on beam. And Florida started this meet with, and I forget who it was, but whoever started off on vault had a fantastic vault. might have been Skylar Drazer, if not somebody else. But either way. And so, like, if you can start off on vault really, really good, because vault Mm -hmm. is so hard, then you certainly are, like, feeling yourself early on in the meet. And then Florida has this freshman, Anya Pilgrim, who she is sensational in everything she does. And so, again, if you're not a gymnastics fan, turn it on at some point in time, uh, and you will see, in my opinion, just some of the most gifted, talented athletes, Mm -hmm. because they have to be good at, the, both the dance and so strong and, and yeah. everything as well. Well, and like so my part two was how often when you're watching this, do you know it's going to be like a high nine or 10? Because I feel like unless I don't watch it, obviously. Right. So unless they like fall, I'm like, that was great. Uh, so <laughs> for me, it's really easy because okay. like, for instance, it'll start on vault where their hand placement is on the vault is is important where their feet land and then whether or not they get the stick. Okay. So there's that happens super fast on vault, but you can tell fairly quickly. Yeah. Uh, and vault's way more about the move that they're doing kind of in the air, usually like a Yurchenko full or whatever, and then the stick. And then bars, you can tell very easily based off of their feet when they do their handstand. Mm-hmm. If their feet are pretty much like 90 degrees, if they're not quite that, if they're less than that, then they're going to get deductions okay. taken off. Uh, and then certainly if they fall or anything yeah. like that, and then the stick certainly matters. Uh, when it comes to beam, if they wobble at all or if they're not able to connect their movements – then you're going to get deductions, okay. obviously, again, if they fall. Uh, and then floor, 
whether so what they call under rotated if they're landing their passes which are the long uh like they run and then jump yeah. kind of things if they land with their chest down that means they're usually going to get a deduction because they're under rotated okay. or if they step out of bounds then you can certainly get massive deductions okay. and then of, again every time you land perfectly the mm-hmm. stick is what they call it and this year in college gymnastics they changed the stick you have to hold it you have to hold your stick longer now than ever before oh. so it used to be a college stick versus olympic stick was completely different and now college is basically the Olympics. Oh, wow. So it's a lot harder to get a perfect 10. Uh, and you're certainly seeing that as you watch too. You'll be happy to know, Lauren. Yes. We have at least one listener right now who is now becoming a diehard Florida gymnastics <laughs> fan. Uh, 813 on the text line. Shout out to you, my brother, man. From Said, Tampa. Yes. Or no, no, 813 is the, the middle three. It's a oh, okay. My girlfriend has gotten me into Gator gymnastics this year. I love it. Was there to see Wong's perfect for my first one ever. Nice. It was electric. Anya is going to give Trinity Edwards a run for her money as Gator great when it's all said and done. Yeah, he means Trinity Thomas, but yes. Trinity uh, Thomas, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, who's now, like I said, a, a GA for Florida, and she's so much fun uh, to even just be hanging around the team. But yeah, it's it's a blast. And I mean... Guys, I think, get into it because it's super fast It's and you get to see attractive women <laughs> and they're like very impressed, doing very impressive feats, I'll say. Obviously, some of the floor routines can be very sassy, very sexy. I So I feel like a lot of guys would enjoy it if they've never watched it before. Uh, this Especially Friday night, with how big it is in the Olympics, by the way. Like, sure. We all get up for it in the Olympics. Sure. You can get up for these college athletes right now, too. Yeah, and I think Olivia Dunn for LSU a season ago, even though she wasn't necessarily the greatest gymnast, she brought a lot of attention with her NIL deals, and you still see her on every Viore commercial. Uh, this Friday night, number six, Florida, at number 14, Missouri. Uh, that's a quad meet against also Illinois and Lindenwood. Uh, and that'll be on SEC Network. So more college gymnastics and Friday Night Heights for me. By the way, Florida is third in the country on beam, fifth vault, eight on the bars, and 16th on the floor. Like I said, that's way below uh, where I would expect. But they're they're doing well so far, only one loss, and that would be to Auburn, who's really good this season, even without SUNY Lee. All right, we've got one segment to go here on Homeless and Heels, driven by Tyrell, and we are going to review our preseason picks in the NFL. Keep it right here on 10 to Next on 92.5 FM. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. All right, y'all, I don't know if you went through all of your NFL preseason picks uh, like I did with a red pen to mark out every one that I got wrong, uh, but mine is way more red than it is black. (laughs) I can tell you that. Uh, oh, I, from our, oh, our picks that we yeah, had. Yeah, our oh, picks gotcha. that we made. Uh, so in well, the, I had the Bengals in the Super Bowl, I think. so. <laughs> uh, we can start with that. In the Super Bowl, who did you have going up against the Bengals? Uh, um, I think it was Bengals. I need to try to find this thing. I'm trying to um, – Bengals – I want to say Bengals, Eagles. Okay. Yeah, I did have Bengals, Eagles. I had Jaguars, Eagles. Oh. <laughs> so one team that didn't make the postseason at all and one team that went out of the postseason in the first round. I had the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Oh, look so at you. You're so much smarter. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, listen, I knew. What a gutsy pick, me. I knew back, <laughs> exactly. I, I knew That's ba- a smart pick, though. <laughs> I knew back in August, do not bet against Patrick Mahomes, who I also had claiming the MVP award, of course, ups to Lamar Jackson for actually claiming the MVP of the regular season. But Patrick Mahomes, yeah. now a three-time Super Bowl champion and a three-time Super Bowl MVP. And if we really made the decision, if we don't vote for it, but the people who, the pro football writers, if they were the ones or if they were voting 
after the Super Bowl for who was the MVP of the entire season, they would have picked Patrick Mahomes. But they picked Lamar Jackson when they did, and I understand why they did. He had absolutely a great season. But the guy who put his team on his back multiple times throughout the season in the postseason and won it all is Patrick Mahomes. But congrats to Lamar, like you said. All right. Uh, as far as the, I'll run through my AFC. I'm going to see say also like my yeah. ultimate jinx started with picking the Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true too. You <laughs> like literally yeah. lose Joe Burrow for the year, and that's who. And I they have. also were when the Jags everything went downhill was with the Bengals on Monday Night Football. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is also true. Yeah. By the way, my MVP was Trevor Lawrence. Mm. Uh, that he got beat up too much, so I'll I'll blame that. All right, I'll run through my AFC. Uh, in the East, I had the Bills. And the West, I had the Chiefs. So I went two for two because then the North, I had the Bengals also. And in the South, of course, I had the Jags. I went three for four. Okay. Um, the only miss was the Jags. I had the Bills, the Ravens, and the Chiefs. Yeah. That was I, well done. I was two for two because I had Bills, Bengals, Jags, Chiefs. All right. And then as far as the postseason teams, the ones I got wrong, Jaguars, Bengals, obviously because those were the two division winners, and then Jets, Chargers. I had Bills and Steelers – Well, or sorry – the Steelers correct, but Jets and Chargers I got wrong. On this program, um, again, so three out of the four, and then one for three, the wild card round with the Dolphins. I had the Bengals and the Chargers as the other two wild card teams. However, my picks on XL Primetime, I had the Steelers. So we'll get a half point there. <laughs> no half points. What are you, um, so what did you guys just go through, though? The wild, wild card. The, oh, wild the card. AFC yeah. division winners and wild card. Okay, so – because my NFC, I did have the, I had Lions, Niners, but I had the Saints and the Eagles, so that didn't work. But then my wild card, I got, I had Dallas as a wild card team. Oh, my wild card was a disaster. Um, <laughs> it can't be much <laughs> a disaster. It cannot be much worse than picking the Carolina. I had Jets, Steelers, Cowboys, Bears, Vikings, Chargers. Like that's bad. It cannot be much worse than picking the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, that oh. was bad. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that was however. Not good. I did have that was your Bryce Young belief. I correct. <laughs> I did have the Green Bay Packers as a wild card team. That's impressive. Uh, I did not. I by the way, I went one for four in the NFC as far as division winners. I only had the 49ers correct. I picked the Falcons, eh, Vikings, at eh, Eagles. Eh. Yep, same. <laughs> exact same picks for me. I did okay. have the Lions in the postseason field, so we'll count. I did that. too, and the I had the Cowboys and, and the I, Lions. I had the Eagles in the East, so I mean, okay. so there's that. And then um, I had the Packers. So, so technically, in terms of postseason teams, four for seven. Just not necessarily in that order. Yeah, I had it. I certainly had it wrong in the NFC. <laughs> I certainly had it wrong. <laughs> and then, as far as rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, I had Bijan Robinson. Yeah, I think all three of us had him. He should have went if you were looking through the first five or six weeks of the season before Arthur Smith forgot who he was. <laughs> well, Arthur Smith lost his job. We just got a pick wrong, so yeah. worse off for him. Uh, defensively, for the rookie of the year, I had Jalen Carter for the Eagles. I had Devon Witherspoon, who was a finalist but was yeah. banged up. A little I had bit Carter too. Okay, well, and so if people miss it, CJ Stroud for the Texans. Mm -hmm. Will Anderson for the Texans both won second year in a row that the offensive and defensive rookie of the years come from the same team and happened the year before with the Jets. Mm -hmm. uh, how great would it be if the Jaguars somehow, some way, had the you offensive and defensive rookie of the year on this team next season? Wouldn't that be glorious? I need it, two definitely. first round picks. So uh, if we could find a way to get another first round pick, <laughs> yeah, then hey, that in this town, we can wheel and deal. There we go. Uh, Taylor, as far as the MVP, who did you have? Uh, Burrow. I, I was going to guess because yeah. you had the Bengals in the Super Bowl, yeah. uh, so I would have guessed that. All right, when it comes to college basketball, I have a very important game coming up in 16 minutes, uh, exactly as Florida plays host to LSU after 
a gigantic win over Auburn on Saturday. That was just glorious if you're a Florida fan. Uh, what's going on elsewhere in college basketball, Mia? Um, I'm going to read this article from Mike Rutherford, um, who's at Card Chronicle on X. If you haven't followed him, he's hilarious. He covers Louisville, which, uh, as we've detailed on this program before, is going down the drain. Um, literally, like Louisville that you knew it as your childhood, uh, they, they are awful right now. But um, they just beat FSU not long they, ago. They did, because the ACC is a two-bid league, Lauren. No, it's it's going to be a four or a five-bid league. Um I'm going to read this, even though I'm working on my own video version of this. It's coming to 1010XL at some point this week. Um, So March Madness is coming. You've been too distracted by football. What do you need to know? Um, So first and foremost, who's good? And so uh, basically he runs through how this is the – this year has seen more unranked teams at home against teams ranked in the AP Top 10, not the Top Mm -hmm. 25 in the AP Top 10 – Win those unranked teams, those teams that you never saw it coming. Um, currently a 52.5 win percentage, which would be the highest. They're 31 and 28 in 59 wow. games against top 10 teams, and that number actually has dipped. It was at 60 plus percent. Well, Florida is one of those teams, like correct. We just talked about as far as the win over ranked Auburn, 12th ranked Auburn. Yep. Uh, so dope. Who's good? Um, the first is reigning national champion Connecticut, and then the other is is Purdue. Who drafted that really tall guy they had? That's Zach Eady. He actually still plays for Purdue. <laughs> Is he any good? Very good. Um, I saw this today. BetMGM has Zach Eady at minus 1,400 to win National Player of the Year. You literally would lose money mm-hmm. by placing a bet on Zach Eady. Um, who else is very good? Is Zion still playing? No. Um, Zion isn't Zion Williamson. Yeah, that's it's a joke. And so then, but it's the, it's the joke that we made. It's the joke that we made with Frank a couple weeks ago, which is when it comes to college basketball, there is a better chance of you rattling off the names of several women's college basketball players currently playing than several men currently in college basketball. Um, so anyways, uh, the Mark, Mike Rutherford piece was great, and I thought that would be a good you know, yeah. little entryway for you guys of, like, who's actually good? It's UConn. It's Purdue. They're 1-2 and two in the AP poll. They're 1-2 and two depending if you go to CBS Sports with Gary Parish's rankings. It's kind of them, and then it's everybody else. Um, so let's talk about Cinderella's instead, because I, I know that's what, you know, as everybody shifts their focus from football to basketball – I think that that's what so many who are casual or even just they love March Madness and they don't like college basketball, um, they enjoy the Cinderella, right? Mm-hmm. We got to talk about South Carolina. I know there's plenty of Gamecock fans driving around Duval right now. Um, they are 21-3. They are tied for first place in the SEC. They have not made the NCAA tournament since they made the Final Four in 2017. They were picked to finish dead last in the SEC in Lamont Paris's second year in Columbia. And they have upset not one, not two, but three top 10 teams. And they're perhaps the greatest story right now in college basketball. And so kudos to South Carolina. Um, it's kind of fascinating. They have the same odds, according to Hard Rock, to win the national championship as Florida. Did I say that? Did I say that? Um, yes, I did. Uh, I looked that up. Even though they're ranked 11th. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. But, yes, they are ranked 11th. I believe they are ranked 11th in the Mo Bryan ballot as well. Okay. By the way, South Carolina at Auburn tomorrow night, 830. It's a the Auburn environment is almost unmatched. And I think that's a, that's a great story to talk about, too. Um, I don't know if we have time tonight. But just like what Auburn and Alabama have been able to do with basketball, it's a credit to those two programs, especially Auburn, who said, you know what, we're going to build a smaller school. We're going to hire a questionable character in Bruce Pearl, but we know 
once you get him, he's yours for life. He'll rip his shirt off and run around for you. Um, as crazy as he is, he'll go into a ditch and do an interview on ESPN about how character counts. Yes, that actually happened on draft night a couple of years ago. Um, so, yeah, Auburn and Alabama are both very good for those of you who want your primer. Um, they're both in the top 15 of the AP Top 25, despite Florida be- beating Auburn over the weekend. I still think Auburn is a team to look out for second, third week of March. Um, so South Carolina is my one Cinderella. Okay. The other one I'd give you is Washington State. They have not made the NCAA tournament since 2008. That is the second longest drought among the Power Five or Big Six conferences in college basketball. Um, Awesome story there with Kyle Smith, how many guys he's had to bring in, transfer portal. Um, Matt Norlander on CBS Sports actually did a really good article about one of their lead players who is in his third season of college basketball, but after – uh, a battle with cancer and some other things off the court. This is his first season really playing, and Washington State has now won nine in a row. That's a great story. So I would also put uh, the Cougs in terms of great stories and Cinderella's to watch. And let's get How's to— Sister Jean, by the way? Uh, well, the problem is they went to the A-10, good old Loyola okay. Chicago. And so, uh, yeah, and so it's kind of been an up-and-down season for the Ramblers because they're no longer in the Valley. But I'm glad you brought up the Missouri Valley Conference, okay. Lauren, because that is my next Cinderella— Indiana State, respect Mm. the specs. They have not made the tournament since 2011. They have a guy named Robbie Avila. If you're near a computer right now, just please Google Indiana State player. You don't even have to Google Robbie Avila. (laughs) It'll pop up. He wears goggles. He's awesome. He averages more than 16 points per game. Um, And it's just an awesome story out there developing with the Sycamores, who have a commanding lead on the Valley. Um, They are also in the AP Top 25 this week at 23. I ranked them at 17. Mm. Um, So definitely a story worth watching. And And also go Bulls. I was just going to say, Taylor, we'll we'll end with the Bulls before we (laughs) give a brief shout-out to the women's game. Um, And look, I got to meet Amir Abdur-Rahim when he was the coach of Kennesaw State last year. Mm -hmm. He's legit. Like, he took a team that had won one game the year before he became the head coach at Kennesaw State. They transitioned division, to Division One. He takes them to the NCAA tournament in year four. He keeps all the good talent not named Anthony Edwards in the state of Georgia, in the Atlanta area, over the last four years. He brings some of them with him now to Tampa, and it's been awesome. And Jose Placer, who, of course, starred for UNF the last few years, made the decision to use his final year of eligibility with the Bulls. That's paying off for him because USF is – not only tied for first, they are in first place. They're ahead of FAU. Sorry, mm-hmm. Owls fans, in the American Athletic Conference. And nine straight right now, I think. It nine is. straight, yep. They haven't lost since December 7th, I think it is. So it's an awesome story developing down in Tampa Town. And, yes, I know, the Iowa women lost over the weekend. Um, they have <laughs> oh, to no. evaluate. To Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, they, well, Nebraska's oh. uh, they're a top 30 team in the net, so it wasn't the worst loss in the world. And also, they love women's sports in Nebraska. It was an awesome environment. Great to see. Um, But, yeah, Caitlin Clark will go for the all-time scoring mark on Thursday, contrary to the tweet that Kelsey Plum authored as Caitlin looked like she was going to, you know, blow past the record of Kelsey Plum for the all-time scoring mark um, during that Nebraska game. And then she went over in the final final quarter. Caitlin. Um, And Kelsey – Kelsey, well, so she did admit, and she said it's no excuse. She did have whatever she got from Molly Davis, so they both have the flu right now. So No flu game for Caitlin. Yeah, no flu game for Caitlin. um, But South Carolina just absolutely thumped UConn, and they are without question a machine. Shout out to Dawn Staley. They don't rebuild. They reload. And uh, UConn's going to be an interesting one because they have so much veteran talent. They still have page backers. So it's kind of like – it's not akin to having Mahomes, but it's kind of like that. I'm not going to count you out. I would, I would like equate it to like Joe Burrow. Like yeah, if Joe yeah. Burrow's healthy, mm-hmm. the Bengals are gonna like even if they start zero and two, like yeah. they have in years past, 
there's still a chance that they're in they're in the hunt in Jan- or they're playing in postseason ball. Yeah. And I would equate that with UConn. All right, let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. Rick, are you going to talk about Trevor Lawrence tonight? I am. Yeah, I think I am. I didn't think that uh, this would come out, you know, but, um, you know, I just responded to uh, the MVP odds and the people went absolutely nuts. And here's where I'm at. It's like, I get it that people don't think he's good, but it's getting to the point where where my timeline, it's like it almost feels like people don't want him to be good. And that's really disturbing to that's me. Strange. I'm like, whoa, he's 24 and there are issues. So I, I'm going to sound this out tonight and uh, try to figure out what's going on. I mean, I understand misery and I understand being upset, but it's one thing to – Look at it and say he hasn't gotten the job done and give reasons why, which I fully will and always have. But it's another to kind of be like, that's it. It's almost, it feels like a divorce. feels like the way people were treating Trevor on my timeline was like it was their ex-wife. And that is a major surprise for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to have a conversation on tonight. All right. Sounds good. Well, we will be listening. I appreciate you listening. Absolutely. And uh, I got to go watch a college basketball game. I know you do. You guys are so busy and on top of it. How are you not in the top 25? Uh, We don't care about rankings. We care about about wins. So you got to win tonight. 11 and a half points, right? You you got to win. Winning is one thing you got to cover. Yeah. You got to make the betters happy. The betters. Yeah, I don't care about that either. The polls. Yeah. <laughs> you'll take a two point. You'll take a one point one. I, I already take any conceded right. that I didn't put them in my ballot no? this week. But hey, if you beat LSU, you beat Mike White for a second time. There you go. And Bama and then, coming up. And then at Alabama yeah. next Wednesday. That's right. All right. Thanks, Rick. All right. We'll see you. For Mia O'Brien, for Taylor Dahl, for JJ LaSalva, I'm Lauren Brooks. Don't go anywhere into the night with Rick Ballou. Comes up right now, right here on 10 to Next L and 92.5 FM.